Welcome to The Real Game, a podcast by coaches for coaches. I am your host, Matt Philbrick. Welcome back to this episode of The Real Game. I am your host, Matt Philbrick. I hope everybody's having a great day today. I am currently in southeastern Pennsylvania, where it is about 95 degrees. It's been like this for about three days. I hope wherever you're at, it's a little bit cooler. But regardless, I'm enjoying the air conditioning today, so I can't complain. I've been excited about this episode. I have a very special guest on with me today. As you know, I like to have a variety of guests on the show try to keep things interesting, to try to help other coaches along their journey. So today I am joined by the head women's volleyball coach at Stanford University, Coach Kevin Hambly. Coach, welcome to the show. I'm going to give you an opportunity here in a couple of minutes just to introduce yourself and say a couple of things about yourself and about your own coaching journey. Um, I did go on your website and uh, printed off just some some things about your, your coaching uh journey and and specifically your time there at Stanford it it looks like you've enjoyed some some great success there you have a record of 115 and 29 again I don't know how current this is but I'm assuming it's pretty current uh 72 and 18 in the Pac-12 you've won three conference titles it looks like 2018 you had a phenomenal season with a record of 34 and one overall uh you won your second straight Pac-12 title that season you were 20 and 0 in conference play and you ended the year with a 32 match winning streak. So very impressive coach. I'm super happy to have you on the show today. Maybe just take a little time and introduce yourself to our guests and tell us in a nutshell, kind of what your coaching journey has been like and how it's brought you to where you are currently. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me on Matt. And I'm looking forward to this. It's always nice to kind of talk through coaching. I think I discover as much about what I think as I, as I like talking through it than as I do listening to other people. So I appreciate you having me on Uh, my coaching journey. I think deep down, I always kind of knew I wanted to be a coach, uh, even at the age when I first, my first experience in coaching, like ever was when I was a sophomore in high school, I coached little kids in basketball. I thought I was going to be, a basketball guy at that point, maybe playing in college. I had some opportunities and um, I just really fell in love with teaching. I really fell in love with uh, helping athletes learn. Uh, and as I went and I grew, I, you know, volleyball became the sport that probably I don't know, made the most sense to me, came easiest to me. I don't know. Like it just, it, I, I excelled in volleyball at a very, very quick rate. And um, mostly because I just, I just made sense how to score points and how to win. And like, it just all made sense to me pretty quick. And I kind of leaned into the volleyball deal and um, played in, played, played in college at a school called BYU for a guy named Carl McGowan. And um, he was definitely, he's a, would be considered a coach's coach. And I think all the coaches, he looks, he's a mentor, was a mentor. He passed a few years ago, but he's a mentor to a lot of coaches and has put out a lot of coaches out of his um, program. And uh, I was lucky enough to be able to sit in his office and talk volleyball with him and not go to school very much, but like do scouting and all that and just <laughs> hang out. And yep. I definitely got some good lessons in, in volleyball from him. And then been fortunate. I played a couple of years and tried to play a couple of years of professional 
it was fine. I did okay. I had some good years, but it wasn't really scratching the itch for me that the coaching was and had an opportunity to coach at UNLV, coached there for five seasons, then um, got offered an opportunity to go to the national team, coached there for four seasons. And um, from there, I went to the University of Illinois, took, like, took a program that we felt like needed some, it was kind of a, could be a giant uh, like in the rough kind of thing, like a, a sleeping giant, I guess is the right term. And mm-hmm. tried to build that thing up and did got to a national championship game. And then when Stanford opened up, they called me and I had the opportunity here and I've been here to be my seventh season. And it feels like a blink. And, you know, I'm one year away from being a head coach as long at Stanford as I was at Illinois. And that seems crazy to me because it's just going so fast, but yeah, uh, you know, you talk about records and all that stuff. I'd, I don't really pay much attention to that. I like for me, this is really about people and connections and and teaching and that stuff's all a byproduct or whatever. Um, I don't, yeah. But I, I uh, I've been lucky to be around some great players and I've been around some even better people and I feel very fortunate thus far in my journey. That's fantastic. It's good. It's good to hear. I'm always I'm always curious to see what other people's coaching journeys have, have looked like. And a couple things that you said stand out to me. Um, you know, you say it's more about people and that fits actually the theme of what we're going to talk about today. Um, we're going to, we're going to discuss a little bit about the importance of character in athletes and how that ties into developing a positive team culture. So less about, you know, I, I firmly believe that ties into the winning piece. Um, but less about X's and O's and that kind of thing and more about the people part of it. Um, so here we go. Are you ready? I'm ready. Yeah. All right, let's do it. Let's start, kind of start at the beginning. So when you recruit athletes, what are some characteristics you look for a coach beyond just ability and skill? In a coach? Well, so if you go, let's say you're, you're, you're going to a coach. Let's say you're going to someone's home and you're recruiting an athlete to play on your team. Oh, as uh, a coach. Yeah. Okay. As as a coach, what do you okay. look for in players that that isn't about their skill level or their their you know yeah, their yeah. ability? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll say this, like the evaluation of athletes is pretty quick. You know, like if you watch a really a great athlete run, you know, they can run. You watch mm-hmm. them hit, they can hit. It doesn't, I mean, for us, if we watch them jump and hit, we know they can, they can sure. jump and hit. It takes two swings to know, you know, like yeah. uh, you watch a move, you know. So then the rest of it all is mostly about when we're recruiting them and evaluating them is, um, you know, what are they like as a human being? Do we actually want to coach them? And so for sure, like that's, like that's what I spend most of my time paying attention to. I guess if I had to sum it up, like the best thing I, you know, I, was a, I still remember was like to be an athlete and to play on a team. And as I'm watching them, you know, like what are the qualities? I think the, the best way I can say it, I guess, is like, I'm watching going, do I want to coach this kid? Mm-hmm. And then I'm asking him, would I want to play with this kid? Like, would I want to be on this team with this person? Do I want to be involved in this person? And so the things that stand out that are negative, you know, are how they treat their teammates, you know, are they bringing energy to the, are they energy vampires? I watch them, how they talk to their parents, how they treat their parents, you know, I watch mm-hmm. how they interact when the coach is talking, you know, like uh, then you start to do background stuff and we talk to academic advisors from their school. We talk to teachers from their school. We talk to their high school coaches who are around them a lot more and try to really paint a picture of who this person is, you know? Sure. So what are the qualities we're looking for? You know, like integrity, hard work, uh, care about others, unselfish. I mean, all the same stuff, but I think that the key is like trying to 
spend the time to make sure that you get a good sense of that because you ask anybody and they're going to tell you the right thing, the things you want to hear. If you ask them, you know, even some, and some of the club coaches we talk to are going to tell us what we want to hear as right. opposed to the truth. But the more we dig, the more we see kind of what's their worst. And that's what I want to see is, you know, what are, who are they at their worst? I mean, a couple of things I could tell you is that we thought we knew something about a kid and then and everyone told us the right thing. And then we had her, had her on a visit and about two hours into the visit, I, I said, hey, look, this isn't going to work out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're not going to come to Stanford, but this isn't going to happen. You so get a like, feeling pretty quick, pretty yeah, quick. From and it was like how she's treating her mom. She's treating her mom. She's just not a good person, not a good yeah. to her mom. You know, and she ended up transferring to two different schools and never really worked out as an athlete, not because she wasn't talented, but because of who she, like how she operated and whatever skills that she, whatever behaviors that she developed over time. You know? Sure, so, sure. Yeah, so I, I think if I don't want to coach them, we're not recruiting them, basically. Okay. And if, if I wouldn't want to play with them, we're not recruiting them either. Right. You know? so, um, Pete Carroll said, I don't recruit players who are nasty to their parents. I look for players who realize the world doesn't revolve around them. And yeah. I think that's, you brought that up a couple of different times. You know, how, how do they treat their parents? How do they treat their siblings? Yeah. And uh, that's so their important. Their coach, their teachers, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Very good. So obviously uh, the role that character plays in the success of a team. Can you give me some examples of how you've seen character positively impact team dynamics and performance? Um, I'll tell, can I just tell you a story? Is that okay? Yeah, like, definitely. Yeah. That's, that's so, the best kind. Yeah, 2019, this is one of the most incredible things I've had. A, I had a freshman who was the number two recruit in the country. Uh, she actually was a first-team All-American last year. Her name's Kendall Kip. And um, early on, I had the same team, basically, I had in 2018. We had one change who won the national title. Okay. And 2019, we added actually a, a great uh, the only the first transfer in the history of Stanford, which is a grad school transfer. She came in. So we were kind of loaded, had a good chance to win. We ended up, we ended up winning that year, but we were number one to start the year. And, you know, I, I was, I was worried about us peaking at some level, but I was also had some really talented young players, especially Kendall. And I wanted to see if I could get on the court. So I was kind of platooning players and going back and forth. And then we kind of leaned into like, okay, she's going to be our outside. This Kendall, Kendall Kip is going to be Kendall Kip and uh, Catherine Plummer, who's a three-time player of the year, you know? So like okay. those two guys were going to be our outsides. And then I had this um, player that played two years prior to that. Her name was, um, Megan McClure, who was like a six foot outside for us, that's small, like six foot is small. And she <laughs> didn't, she wasn't as physical as those guys, but yeah. I was using her as a back row player for Kip. But then injuries happened. Actually, Plummer got injured, then Kip got injured and they were out. And Kip was injured for a significant amount of time. And, um, you know, here she was, she was starting. We were still like top three in the country. We lost a couple of matches, but we were playing at a high level, beating teams. Um, she's putting up 25 kills, 25 kills in the match before she got injured. Wow. She's out. She comes back. Um, she's coming back in. And so in the meantime, Plummer's healthy. Megan's taking the role. We go on this winning streak of like 12, 13 in a row. Like we're, and we're kind of dominating and we're playing at a really high level. And Kips is re released. And the minute she's released, she comes up to me and she's like, hey, look, you're not going to change the lineup, right? Like this is going the right direction. Like yep. this is the best we've played all year. Like I'm happy to be a sub. Wow. Wow. I mean, that's the kind of kid. <laughs> and there's this kid with yep. more expectations on her than anybody. She's in the USA gym this summer. I mean, yep. it has all those aspirations, but she was looking at the team and going, 
you know what? We're better right now than they were with me ever out there. Yeah. There's no way we should change. I'm going to make sure I give Kevin permission not to worry about that at some point. <laughs> I mean, that's that's really awesome. And she just yeah. opened it up with like incredible leadership from her. You know, that's, but, that's you a know. great story. I love, I love that. It, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up. A couple of weeks ago, I had a sports psychologist on my show and I asked him pointedly, I said, what is, what is, what are some benchmarks of high level athletes? Like the best athletes in the world that you've ever talked to, you know, what are, what are some of the qualities that you see in them? And he said, one of the, the thing that stands out to him the most, it's team first, team yeah. first. Um, yeah. And that, and that's exactly what you said. This young lady obviously has it right. Um, you know, and, and that's a great story. I appreciate she you sharing does. that. You know, she still does. I mean, she's a kid that we could set a lot more, but we have lots of great players on our team this next year. And, yeah. and, and uh, we use her probably just, just enough to, to make sure that she's at the high, like looked at it as one of the top players in the country. But, yeah. um, you know, it's like, it'd be like having Kevin Durant and giving him 15 shots instead of 25 shots, you know, yeah, it's kind sure. of the same. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's, but she's totally bought in because we're better because of it. And she knows that. Right. Right. It's, so, and, and if your best players like that, how do you lose? I mean, how do you, right. like, no one, no one can go any other direction, you know? Absolutely. So, yep. Yeah. So on the flip side of that coach, have you ever had a team where you thought, man, I feel like we're doing everything right here, but there's just no, there's no chemistry. There's that the culture's off. How are we going to overcome this? Or how do I have to adjust and switch gears to maybe what I've, been doing and try some different things with his team because every team is different right and every team yeah. kind of has their own personality i mean that's kind of a paradoxical question because i think the like i've never had a team that had a great culture that wasn't successful or getting the yeah. most of what they are so like so like i, I think no the answer is no i haven't okay. had a team where I'm like hey our cultures like everything seems right but we're not winning usually if our culture's right then we're winning you yeah know? definitely so it's usually yeah. like i like 17 was a great example. Our culture, we went to the final four. I had a talented team. I had a team that could win it. But the whole time, I mean, I think everyone outside of us thought like, oh, we're, we're I think we're third most of the year and like perceived as one of the favorites to win. And I never felt like we could get there because our culture wasn't strong enough. And mm -hmm. it was my first year with this team at Stanford and they hadn't bought into like the way that um, the principles and things that the way I like to manage the culture, you know, and yeah. Um, and I was showing up and I, I kept bringing it up, kept bringing it up and fighting with him. And it never, it never got there, you know, and mm -hmm. at the end of the year, the reason we had as much, you mentioned the 2018 season. I think the reason I believe the reason we had that much success was because they bought into the culture finally. And they started, to, they started to worry about culture instead of just yep. being, a team, they were trying to be like cohesive and, and buy into each other. And they did. And that's why mm -hmm. we had the success. We could have the exact same success. I could even argue that that team was even more talented because we had a six, nine opposite. That was incredible. And we had some really experienced middle blockers. Like, I think that was probably a more talented team than my 18 team, okay. more experienced, but they, the culture was, was messy. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, obviously you're coaching high level uh, female athletes. I've only coached boys for the most part, um, girls here and there. Um, but when it comes to handling conflict, some people might say, well, you know, girls are harder because maybe they tend to hold a grudge longer and this and that. I, I don't know if that's true or not because I haven't coached women enough to know. Um, but when it comes to conflict resolution, how do you address conflict and how do you maintain, you know, a harmonious team environment if conflict ever comes up? Well, first of all, we don't want harm harmony. 
Harmony is like usually false, right? Conflict is important. So first you have to address the importance of conflict. Without conflict, we're not growing. So we need to make sure that we're growing. You know, without mm-hmm. conflict, without failure, we're not growing. If people, if there's harmony and we're sitting in one place and we're all feeling good, right? like then we're probably just pretty happy where we are. We're not going to continue to grow. And so like we want, we need to have conflict. We need to push. And so um, the for me, the best way to, to have conflict is direct without judgment you know like like there's no, no judgment in who the human being is i think mm-hmm. we all talk about our team that we operate under the assumption that everyone wants to be great so then if like so matt if i assume you want to be great and if some of your behaviors that i recognize either as a coach or as a peer uh i see that some of your behaviors Maybe you're you seem like a guy that's going out drinking too many beers at night, not getting your rest. You know you're you're struggling with that. Mm-hmm. If I see those behaviors and it's affecting your play, then there needs to be some kind of conflict. Right. So as a peer, I like the way we frame it is: I care about Matt. I care about the success of our team. I believe I believe that Matt wants to be great, and so um, therefore, because I care, we need to have conflict. We call it carefrontation, actually. Mm-hmm. And I'll say to you, hey Matt, like. Yeah, it looks like I'm, well, I'm watching the way you're behaving. It really seems like you'd be better for the team and be better as a player if you didn't, you know, whatever needs to be said there. Sure. And so those that kind of conflict is really necessary for growth and necessary for teams. And teams are better when there's conflict. We need to have conflict. Now, we're not creating conflict. It's created enough and just <laughs> competition and human yeah. beings being human beings and not trying to create drama. And, and, and if you don't go directly, if you don't have conflict, usually drama exists because people talk around the person, the people that need to be addressed mm-hmm. and form committees against those people and talk about them instead of actually going directly to them. And so we try to create a culture where if someone talks to you about somebody else, you grab them and drag them over to that person and not try to form committees against that person. So right. we talk a lot about direct and honest and communication, but without judgment, like without judgment, like, Hey, it's like, I believe you want to be great. Your behaviors are outside of who I believe that you are. How do we get you back on track? Can this help you if we address this? Fantastic. That's great. I love that. I love that approach to conflict. I love your statements on without conflicts, uh, there's their growth isn't happening. Um, I think that's so important. Um, and that's a great, that's a great, uh, answer you have there. Um, not every kid. So you've had some, some dynamic kids on your team. Not every kid is a great leader, but I believe that having strong leadership on your team is important. Um, can you describe the role of leadership in developing a positive team culture and, and, are you doing anything to cultivate that leaders leadership? Um, obviously, some sometimes certain kids rise to the top with that. Um, yeah. What are you doing? What are you doing there? Well, I would say I would I would push back on some things. I would say that sometimes kids aren't great leaders. I, I would say that every group that gets together in group dynamics, somebody or some people are leading. Mm-hmm. Now, as a coach, they may not be the people that we want leading. Right. They, but they like there, I've had some tremendous leaders that are leading the group in a direction that I don't want them to go. Sure. I think one of the things that I think one of the things that, um, as coaches, we want to control too much, probably, I think, you know, and so a lot of times we try to assign leadership. We try to say, like, these are the kids that I like the most. So I'm going to assign leadership, mm-hmm. assign them as captains and assign them as leaders. I have gone completely away from that. I mostly just pay attention to who the people are following, like, who mm-hmm. are people following? Every group we get together, if we were in a room with five other people, someone would lead that group. And, yeah. you know, as simple as like, it's time to go. 
if I said it, the group may not react and move. If you said it and you're the leader, everyone gets up and goes. It's, sure. it's uncanny. So like <laughs> leadership exists. Leadership exists in groups. It just is what it is. And it could be one or two people and they could be fighting and they could be splitting the group. There's a lot of things that can happen there, but it exists. And so to me, I, I identify the leadership and then work with those leaders to get them on the same page, either with each other and or with me. And so that we're all moving in the right direction. And there's been a lot of times that the person that the team picks as the leader because they're picking somebody isn't the person that I would pick. Mm-hmm. But I don't fight that. Yeah. Yeah. Because Awesome. Right. Yeah. yeah. Just let it happen. Right. It's happening. Yep. It's happening. Yeah. And so definitely. when people say they have, they don't like this person's not a great leader. It's because they're not the leader. Somebody else is the leader. Yeah. Like the team's not following this person. Then they're not the leader. Who is the team following? Let's figure out who that team is following. And then let's work with those people. Mm-hmm. Okay. To, to go. Yeah. That's how Very I good. Yeah. So in the, in, in sports, every coach, I think, has a responsibility to teach their kids, you know, life lessons beyond just the sport. Um, what what kind of things are you doing to help your 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 young ladies, your athletes grow and develop as people beyond just the game of volleyball? Well, I mean, we're in a university setting where there's like some of that's already kind of happening, right? So first sure. time from home, they're trying to figure out how to manage themselves, mm-hmm. you know. Um, they're probably having their own credit card for the first time, like things like that are normal kind of life yeah. skills. Um, I think the things that we try to do more than, I mean, we, we have, have speakers come in and talk about things and they, they have programming here on campus. And mm-hmm. I think the things that they learn most from being around the program is the leadership followership kind of piece. They learn how to manage co- conflict resolution. They know how to, how to communicate. They learn how to, um, hold themselves accountable and hold others accountable. You know, like all those kind of things. I think we we make sure that those things are happening. I think the other the piece is more instead of for me the the there's intentional things that we're trying to do, and then there's the the um, things that kind of happen unintentionally. You know, like there's issues and, and things that arise in their life or problems that happen with each athlete. Never, I've never had a kid come through and not have two to three real major issues in their time, whether it's. Mm-hmm. Um, major breakup or, you know, that's perceived mm. as a, some, sometimes I don't perceive those as big deals, but they're definitely perceived as big deals. Sure. Yep. Sick family members, you know, people dying um, in big injuries and all those. And I think it's more to me, I look at those opportunities both with the group and as individuals is to like, okay, here's something that's happening. How do we make this? Mm-hmm. How do we use this as a, as a lesson? You know, cause I, I guess I, I look at volleyball as a metaphor for life, like volleyball is the metaphor. And, and there's so, and it creates all these opportunities for us to teach these like life skills, right? like directly and indirectly, but any, any conflict or any issue that comes up, what can we teach in this moment? So we're just trying to constantly teach, you know, just constantly teach. If something happens on the court, how do like, then it's a problem. How do we, how do we use this as an opportunity to teach? Let's not get mad and yell and scream and get scream and get frustrated. Something's happening right now. How do we teach? And that, I think, through that, lots of life lessons, absolutely kind of being taught. Absolutely, uh, I think the direct stuff is fine, but they're not always ready to hear it. Mm-hmm. You want to teach those things. Yeah. You want to want to catch them at the right moment. And so, usually, when they are hurting and have been through some problems, been through some issues, that's the time to actually hit home the points that are the life lessons. Right. Okay. So, 
We have about five or seven minutes left to your coach. So let's say hypothetically you find yourself in front of a group of high school coaches and you're the guest speaker and you only have about three minutes left and you yeah. want to just, you want to just hit them with, Hey, here's two or three, two or three important things that you need to remember if you want to be successful as a coach. Okay. Um, this is easy. I think one, one is it's not about you coaches ever. Okay. It's never so yep. it's always about the athletes. Sure. Never make this about you. Second is you're always teaching. You should be always teaching. You should be your teachers. Your teachers first. You're mm-hmm. not like you teach. The only time you're coaching is in matches. You're coaching in a match. You're doing tactical things, but the rest of the time you're in practice. You're a teacher, mm-hmm. and you that that way. How do we teach? Off the court, on the court, all the time. And maybe the most important one is for both you and your athletes. Volleyball is what we do, not who we are. So if for the athletes, if we want them to make the mistakes necessary to grow, mm-hmm. they need to let go of their identity being coupled as an athlete. Because if it's coupled, especially at our level, it happens a lot, but it happens in high school, especially that's where mm-hmm. it first starts. You're the volleyball player, you're the basketball player, you're the football player, you're the cheerleader, you're the drama person, you're the, like everyone's given these labels. And if they sure. buy into those labels and they make that their identity, then when they put on a bad performance for a play, then all of a sudden they're not okay. Mm-hmm. A human being when yep. they have when they have a bad volleyball practice, then they're not okay. And we all need to make enough make mistakes to grow. Like, and so we have to uncouple those two things. And it's okay, like to be excited to play volleyball, but in sure. my opinion, those things need to be uncoupled because it's an unhealthy relationship. It's even more unhealthy for the coaches. Mm-hmm. Because for the coaches, it's they have the same issues. Like, I'm not okay as a coach, but then how that typically is um, manifests itself is that they start to take that anxiety that they feel or the depression that they feel about themselves and it is put on the athletes and then they ruin it for everybody. Mm-hmm. I would say most of the, my, the coaches that I know that have blown up and have not made it, that those two things are coupled. They see themselves as a volleyball coach and that is it. For okay. me, volleyball coaching is what I do. That is not who I am. That's what right. I do. And right. I am in so many other things in that, you know, yeah. and None of them. I'm, I'm just Kevin at the base, but I do so many other things. Yeah. Than that. Yeah. That's I think great. I want to have a healthy relationship with those two things, those things. So yeah. that would be my three. If you had to give it bad, I'd do three. Good. That's great advice. That's great advice. I love the, I love the point where people, you know, it's important to find your identity in who you are, not necessarily what you do. So that's great. It's a great point. All right. So lastly, and this is just for fun, maybe walk us through a huge game or a big comeback scenario or something that, is just a great memory for you. Uh, yeah. Okay. So uh, I think the match that stands out for me, Illinois was this little. I told you, like we've always been a sleeping giant, and we yep. were trying to make it happen. And we're recruiting the right kids. Like they, they weren't the best athletes, but they were. They were these really. Um, they all had chips on their shoulders. They're all kind of punks. <laughs> They're all, and we're playing. We we're we had worked every year. We've gotten better and better and better. And it was kind of our year. It was 2010 was this the year. And we're playing Texas, who was number one. And we were worked our way to number three. I think it was third week into the year. Yep. Yeah. Um, we're in the locker room. And one of my my leader at the time, her name was Hillary Hain. She ended up coaching with me for a few years after this. She said, she was a sophomore. And she says, or no, she was a junior. And she goes, hey, look, we have nothing to lose. Let's just go out there and go for it. And I was like, whoa, what are you talking about? We belong in this match. Like we, yep. we, like we're, we have worked our asses off, excuse yep. my language, to be 
in this moment and to beat this team. We are better than this team. They're yep. ranked higher they're Texas. They don't know we're coming. They don't know what's coming at them. And we went out there and we smoked them. We crushed nice. them. And I think that was the first time that that program, you know, we we got elevated to like the level of being elite. Like yep. after the, we played Nebraska after that, we ended up having a lot of great wins. We beat Penn State that year, who was on a crazy win streak and all this yep. stuff. So we, we were... Um, that was like when we arrived and it was yep. that paradigm shift mentally that I think needed to happen for us. And it happened in that match. And so for a project that I was working on for a lot of years, you know, like that, that was yeah. we're seven years in seven seasons in to have that turn that always will stand out as one of the most important matches yeah. of the Illinois program at that point. That's a great story. I, I appreciate you sharing that with us. Coach, it's been great to have you on, on the show today. I appreciated the insight that you've shared on this topic. Uh, you're obviously doing a phenomenal job there. And uh, the most important thing to me, I guess, is is keep impacting lives and keep investing in those young people that you come in contact with. And um, and you you are doing you're serving the game well and keep up the good work. Thanks a lot, Matt. Appreciate talking to you. And yeah, good luck with the podcast. Sounds like I a appreciate fun it. Call. All right. Uh, Thank you. Man. No worries. All right, man. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Real Game. As always, thank you for tuning in. I'd like to leave you today with a quote by our late president, Ronald Reagan. And the quote is this, peace is not absence of conflict. It is the ability to handle conflict by peaceful means. So good luck coaches and coach on. <laughs>